Hello and welcome to episode 10 of um, From Crime Scene to Screen with myself, Treasure and Joe McElroy. Hello. Um, we, we have, we're back from a little small break um, for, for no fault of our own, the, the fact that we just couldn't be bothered recording an episode during November, really. Um, pretty much, just finished pretty, the festival and then we're yeah. like... <laughs> we didn't bother like messages or you know we'll think about the next one or anything we're just like i think uh... no i think we did <laughs> i think we did uh i think we did after the halloween episode and then i don't know as like toward the end of october it was my birthday there was different stuff going on uh... november i think to be honest it just that this last say half of the year has just flew in um and not that we neglected it not, not that we neglected our one single fan that listens in, listens into the, these episodes because we know there is only one, one other person other than me and Joe who bother listening to these um, episodes. But um, yeah, we didn't mean to neglect you, but we are back um, just in time for Christmas. We're recording this on um, Sunday the 19th, so a couple of days and the big man um, will be here. And to be honest, there's there's no other way to ring in the Christmas spirit and festivities than talking about horrific serial killers and murder. I don't know what you think, Joe. Yeah, no, especially a wee underrated one that we have here because uh, you know serial killers and Christmas time it's very hard to find two the two things lining up. Like we were very lucky. Well, I said lucky. It's very more for me to say lucky. Like. <laughs> Uh, with the Kavina massacre being linked to Silent Night, Deadly Night, but there was literally nothing else after that. Like, I, I, I there's a film called Christmas Evil about a disgruntled worker going mad at Christmas time, but there's no real cases like that in real life. So, I decided just to stick with a wintry theme. So, are you going to let the good people know who we're covering today? So, we have decided to cover um, Robert Hansen, um, Bob Hansen, Bob the Butcher or Bob the Butcher Baker, as he had as many aliases. Um, one that I think is quite qu- quite unknown as well, to be honest. Mm. Um, he He's from Iowa, but a lot of the crimes um, are in Anchorage in Alaska. So um, we're trying to go for the, the frozen, wintry cold atmosphere um rather than than a christmas um sort of festive atmosphere um but there's no denying that what robert hansen did um was extremely horrific and it's it's strange to think that it isn't as well known um i know joe you and i before going through our research and um, one of the things that we tend to do is um have a listen to other podcasts that we would listen to ourselves so you had suggested um the last podcast on the left um they did a, a quite bumper episode um filled with um robert's life his background um even a lot of the quirks that he had you were mentioning that, that they added um they kind of fleshed out a lot more information than you would have got sort of um in any like wikipedia article or whatever mm-hmm. and uh yeah no no it was it was a great listen uh and yeah, like you said, they usually do a great job at, you know, expanding, you know, what is basically sometimes just a line on Wikipedia, like, oh, they had a rough upbringing and then they explain, okay, this is how they had a yeah. rough upbringing and so on and so forth. 
but then, yeah, the film that ties into this as well, uh, which is probably the main reason why we're here, because we're a exactly. film podcast <laughs> primarily, is uh, the 2013 film by Scott Walker, The Frozen Ground, with Nicolas Cage, John Cusack, and is it Vanessa Hudgens or Selena Gomez? I always get them two mixed up. No, it is Vanessa Hudgens. It is. Um, so it is. Gabriella from High School Musical um, has dropped out of um, of school after she broke up with Troy Bolton and is now working as a sex worker in Anchorage, Alaska. With 50 Cent as her pimp. With 50 Cent as her pimp with what I can't describe either as the most horrific or fantastic wigs have ever seen on a grown man. You know, um, I know. I know we're going to get into it with the film, but his character—you're like, what is the point of you being here? Oh, not a clue. It's like this is just pointless. Uh, like I think he's producing it. Maybe he just was like, right, I'm producing it, so I'm going to stick myself in it. Um, me, but, me, and boyfriend Ran both watched this earlier today, and that was the discussion we had. Like, the only reason he is in this is because he must have put some money toward it. Because th- th- there you go. <laughs> there, you know, when we do. You know, launch on discuss to discuss about the film. Um, yeah, it's very clear that his character has little to no relevance, yeah. input, or impact on the story. But we'll get into that whenever well, we get into that. <laughs> yeah. So, um, yes, I suppose without further ado, the episode itself is aptly named on festive frozen ground. So we will get stuck, I suppose, straight in with um. Starting where it all started, essentially, with um, with Robert's childhood. Joe, if you want to kick off and, and sort of lay the ground. Aye, so as far as we know, he's no relation to the Hanson brothers who had that hit song, Mbop. Although that's all I could think of. See, doing this research, that's all kept popping into my head. It was Mbop. It's like, no, stop that. There's, there's no, no, don't, don't. Uh, but yeah, it's been stuck in my head since. But anyway. Robert himself was born on the 15th of February, 1939, in Esterville, Iowa. Uh, his parents were Danish immigrants, with his father being a baker, and uh, it's said that he was quite an overbearing presence in Robert throughout his uh, childhood and adolescence. He would sort of encourage him to get in the family business, and you know, eventually did. He became a baker just like his father. But he, you know, they, they think that sort of is one of the things that contributed to uh you know his later crimes but at the same time you know there's lots of people that have overbearing parents and they don't go on to do horrific things so it's a very slim sort of a tenuous connection there yeah um but even growing up and he was known to be extremely shy he had a stutter he uh he would suffer from a severe acne and uh it would leave him quite scarred as a result um you know, a last podcast on this went into this in detail and, you know, said he was sort of like a prototype for what are incels now because he was always sort of striving to get the attention of girls in school and he was kind of wondering, why don't they love me? You know, I'm this, that and the other. I'm, you know, uh, you know. I'm, he thought he uh, was like a, a holier than I Exactly. Like, not to go off on the tangent about Elliot Rogers, knew that whole idea, the perfect gentleman and all this here nonsense. Uh, so you know that he should be rewarded justly with that but as a result of that he would sort of you know the flip side of that meant you know if he didn't get what he wanted 
he would sort of have all these sort of revenge fantasies like okay well if i can't have that i'm gonna take it out in my head and create all this vivid imagery of like this girl doesn't want me so i'm gonna have you know thoughts of hurting her or killing her and you know that's sort of where the seeds were planted for you know who he would become essentially um and he was you know to sort of as a cathartic way of getting around that he was uh he got into the likes of hunting and archery he would practice with a knife quite a bit out the back of his father's bakery and even like locals were kind of worried about going like he's like spending hours upon hours just like you know messing about with knives and bone and he was really young like he i think he was either between 10 to teens like he, he First of all, he shouldn't a child. Well, I mean, looking at the time that as it is, they were probably walking about with AK forty sevens just stuffed in their bags. But uh, it's it's fifties, fifties mark. It's you know it, it's not uncommon for for kids that age to have knives. But even after that, you know, this the sort of um, the behaviour that he would I put to other people would have you know raised a lot of um, questions and things and. You know, one of the things, I suppose one of the, the major things that sort of stuck out and you touched upon the fact that everybody, you know, not everybody who's had an overbearing, either mother, father or parents, um, which still happens today, they don't lead, they end up murdering over 30 people. Um, But one of the, the strange things I find in, when you do your research and I suppose listen to other podcasts is the, the sort of focus on the fact that he was left-handed. Um, and at, at the time, and I think there's maybe other um other serial killers and um, murderers out there that might have had the sort of the same uh, behavior given to them is that if you were left-handed it was seen to be like a like a sign of the devil or something so like his father forced him to write with his right hand oh yeah like um, the whole you know the pot the evil go to the left hand of god and he yeah will rise up the right and all that there yeah um which you know it again i'm sure there's people out there that aren't murderers or serial killers who for one reason or another their parents forced them to write with the right hand um and there's people out there who are ambidextrous ambidextrous i can't even say that word um and to be honest i'm a bit jealous because i like i cannot write with my left hand for shit and if i was to ever like forge somebody's signature or anything like it would be terrible um you know but with that with his father it's it came out that it forced him to lead to then have like a really extreme stutter. Um, so you get, you know, you're coming back to the fact that thick glasses, acne scars, which I may add as well. I have a lot of acne scars myself and I can tell you now I won't be murdering anybody. And this is now recorded on Banterflex's platform. Um, so yeah, I, I got a bit annoyed that everyone kept focusing on the acne scars because we all have them. Um, but yeah, with that being having the stutter as well I mean you know you come back to this thing he probably thought he was absolutely irresistible but he wasn't and you know having that sort of uppiness attitude topped off with maybe not being the most popular person in school um gave him like a real warped sense of pride or something I don't know like he just he just clearly thought he was better than what he was essentially um so teaming that with someone who's welding a knife flying about a bakery 
you're asking for for trouble. Really. Aye, it's literally like his father's profession. It's all these ingredients going into this like cake of murder, almost. You know, it's like the Powerpuff Girls. It's like Doctor X sitting there going around and it's like sugar hunt. knives and everything. Guns, <laughs> you know? hunting, <laughs> just acne scars, like pimples throwing them in, no. and he just comes out. They need to have a serial killer episode of uh, Bake Off. I think. I just, I, you know, just to see like what Paul would do when he gets the Jeffrey Dahmer's dish. Like, oh, what, what do you have here, Jeffrey? And you're like, ah, you don't want to try it's, that, Paul. It's just, hey, Paul, it's just the neighbor next door. Um, he used to run past me every morning. And um, yeah, it's just his, his, his leg served up on a plate, um, teamed with some croutons and um, creme fraiche. And then he gets a handshake. Well done, Jeffrey. Absolutely. I mean, we, we're seeing... I don't know if anyone else followed this year's Bake Off, but we've seen some some handshakes going out maybe that they didn't necessarily need to be given to certain people. So Very questionable. Very, very questionable. Very questionable behaviour. Um, and again, Paul Hollywood, if you're listening, we're not saying that you would give a handshake to a serial killer. It's just a bit of a, a poke at you, that's all. We love you on, on, well, on the show. Lo- well, I don't really love him, but... Uh, it's Admiration. Just, yeah, 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 okay. I'll, I'll give him that. I'll give him that. Well, back to Bobby here. Uh, he uh, joined the Army Reserves in 1957, but he only served there for a year. Uh, I can't really recall why. He was discharged, but I can't really recall why. I think it was just like something minor, like not being able to make his bed property or something like that there. Yeah, um, it was. It was. For, so it doesn't, anything I've read, it, it doesn't explicitly say why, but um, mm-hmm. it's it's implied that it's it was just to do with like cleanliness which is weird because you know if he was so into hunting and things like that like one of the main not again not that I'm a hunter but one of the main things of of, of that process is being meticulous in the sense of you know yeah. cleaning out your your prey and and that sort of methodical behavior so um it's strange that you know that sort of he, he wasn't able to essentially follow that up in something that was so regimented like the army well, that's what I mean. I think maybe that was like a learning curve for him almost. He was like, okay, if I'm ever to do anything successfully, I have to be organized. Uh, because the thing is, for his lack of intelligence, he made up for it with organization, as you will see, you know, whenever we get into the actual crimes themselves. Uh, I think he was compared to Gary Ridgway in that sense. You know, he's not yeah. a very smart person, but he was very, very organized. Uh, but anyway, whenever he was discharged, he later worked as an assistant drill instructor at the police at a police academy, uh, not far from where he originally uh, was born in Pocahontas, Iowa. Uh, so I I couldn't for life me find the name of this um you know the name of this next person because he's when he was there he sparked a whirlwind romance with a local girl who he married in nineteen sixty. I could not find the name of this woman anywhere, and I don't think it's mentioned. I know he gets married later on again, but this original, um, you know, uh, woman that he got married to, I don't recall there being too much detail about it. Maybe it's because she wanted to, you know, remove herself from him because of, you know, the crimes later on. Yeah. So I think, and we'll move on to that one. You know, we next to describe his first crimes. I think, um, like you, I couldn't find um, height nor, nor anything for this person. Mm-hmm. But um, she later divorces him um, quite abruptly after he is arrested um, for one of his first crimes. Um, and I'm almost sure that you can, if you're involved in something like that, I think you can withhold your information. Yeah. Um, 
there 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 is some sort of confidential confidentiality laws um you know even within the film i know i, I don't think there's any name changes in the film i think everyone who's in it is named as who they are in I the think, story i think nicholas cage's character he's like an amalgamation of a number of cops he isn't the main yeah, one who will get into um but i do you want to get into those crimes then that eventually led to his divorce yeah um so i mean not like other sort of the the previous episodes we've covered it to be by the sounds but he didn't really have a terrible childhood um so it, it's hard to think that you know someone like this can flick so quickly but um you know it's those type of people that i suppose you need to be a bit more weary of um, and the, the cold quiet ones thing yeah. the cold quiet ones um and as joe touched upon um he had this real holier than thou sort of sense of um love for himself and, and he thought that he deserved everything in the world um and one of the his big issues was that if he didn't get it um revenge was at the top of his list for anything he did um so one of his first crimes um was on the, the 7th of december 1960 um so hansen essentially i think it's with i think he sort of coerced someone else um who had previously went to school with him Um, i've read that on, on a few articles and i think in some of the podcast episodes but um him and this other fella who he convinced basically went to their local board of education school in pocahontas um, and in revolt for everyone who bullied him in school was ever nasty to him all the girls that turned him down Um, he decided that he would burn down the building um luckily there wasn't anyone inside the building um but he he took it upon himself to think that this was a, a big act of revenge against all of those who'd done him wrong as a child um but he was arrested and as we'll see as as things go on um his sentencing and the time served is quite uh there's quite a difference in it he was given a three-year sentence but only served 20 months of said total sentence um while he was in prison uh one of the sort of terms i think of his arrest was that um he would see a psychiatrist um and that is where the psychiatrist diagnosed him with bipolar disorder um and the psychiatrist sort of also said that he had an in, um, infantile personality which essentially was you know not in the case that he's a grown man um who thinks he's a child it's more so that his his behavior is quite childish um and i'm sure there is people out there that we know who who, who sort of carry on this way there, there's a, a real sense of immaturity um and because of this he seems obsessed at getting back at anyone who wronged him whether that is a girl who turned him down for i don't know offering him a pencil to a girl or a fella, you know, turning them down for a night out. Right. But you're right, There's there are people like that, you know, in and around us all the time. Just look, within the last two years, Karen culture, that is the exact same yeah. sort of notion. It's like, I didn't get things my way, so I'm going to call the police and waste time about that. Police are going to laugh it off, uh, but I'll have a sense. It's going to work in my favour. Yeah, I'll have a smug so sense fine. of satisfaction and, you know, I'll put you down because I have the power to do so and all sorts of nonsense like that. But uh, in the end, yeah, it is just ultimately childish behaviour, like you were saying. It's like a real seniority complex for whatever reason. 
Um, but yeah, just touching upon that, referring back to what you said about his wife, sort of not wife at the time, but didn't really have much details about him, about her, sorry, but while he was in prison, she immediately divorced him. Um, and I'm sure she is grateful that she did at the time, mm-hmm. um, given what happened further on. But um, so years following his time in prison, much like most, I suppose, pardon me, um, convicted killers and murderers that they sort of start off quite small, petty crimes, um, and then they escalate. So he was arrested numerous times for petty crimes and major thefts and all in all never really served much time at all um, for whatever he was arrested for. So we all know around this time that uh, the police um, weren't necessarily the most um, effective body to be able to handle these type of things. And we all know that if, you know, things were handled correctly at the time, you know, further murders wouldn't have happened. But we can't speak for the past. Um, so after, I suppose, serving numerous um, times for the petty crimes, that rhymes and that, oh my God, that those three sentences rhymed. I am a rapper tonight. It's great. Um, it's, 50 then, cent, it's 50 cent. It's just 50 in your cent consciousness. is coming through my body and is embodying me right now. Um but essentially, during that time, somehow, who knows why, he married his second wife um, in 1963 and had two kids. God help them. Um, and after their marriage, he up and moved them to Anchorage, Alaska. Um, so I don't know if Iowa is warm. I don't know. Is it warm? I, I don't can't know. imagine. It's up sort of mid Midwest America. I'd imagine oh, okay. it wouldn't be that warm. But at the same time, like... Alaska's with, even cold. Like, yeah. Well, Alaska would be cold as sin. Like. Baltic. Like, yeah. Um, but yeah, that wife that he remarried to, was it, her name was Darla Henriksen. Um, and I was reading a bit about her as well. And the reason she sort of was attracted to him and so on and so forth, like, okay, I know he's an ex-criminal. Because he I, was a nerd. I can fix him. I can fix him. You know, I see something in him. Like everyone else is going, no, Darla, no, no, he's bad news. But I can fix him. <laughs> It, like, it literally was like a case of that woman. when you're reading this. Yeah, yeah I was like literally every reading woman. it. Because right, I was reading this and you know, I was with, you know, she was well spoken and so on and so forth. And I was like, this all boils down to you saying, I can fix him. And ultimately she couldn't because as time goes on and as you know these crimes and so on escalate, you know their sort of relationship and that just goes there. And also she way. hasn't a baldy notion about what he's doing. No. Um, no, so yeah. Thanks, uh, Miss Hendrickson. You didn't. You didn't do your job that you set out to do, and it resulted in, in a lot of horrific crimes. So well, we can't really blame her. All, like <laughs> all on her. Essentially. Oh Jesus! <laughs> no, take that back. It's definitely all Robert Hansen. I'm really no, sorry. No, it's been I'm recorded. Sure. I'm gonna get Jim to edit that out, and we'll just you know twist this episode to make you blame a victim here. I mean, I don't yeah. think it would be the. I don't think it would be the first time I've done it. Um, yeah. Whenever we record these, I do tend to like go off on on tangent, but um, ah, but it wouldn't. Good. It wouldn't. It wouldn't be us if it didn't. But exactly, I, you know, to take to take the shine away from me being a horrible person, we'll put it back on someone else who is a horrible person, Robert Hansen. Yeah, it's um, all his fault. But yeah, so the essentially the family moved to Anchorage, um, and it was said that he was really well liked in the community, um, and much to his protesting as a child, he ended up going into the family business anyway. Um, so I'm sure his father was well delighted with himself. Um. So yeah, essentially opened up a bakery when he moved there. Um and yeah, well known in the community. Um 
quite involved in the community. I think they went to church quite a lot. Um, and just everybody knew him as a nice guy. But mm. again, you know, when you see sort of merge between him and Gary Ridgeway, they have their nine to five life, um, which is their family life and, and their behaviour. And I suppose even John Wayne Gacy too. I've seen a bit um, of BTK in him, to be honest. Yeah. He, the, you know, they were all quite good at having the sort of second life mentality. Um, mm-hmm. So he sort of w- was was quiet for a while when he moved to Anchorage um, up until 1971, um, where it appears things really started to escalate. So in 1971, he was arrested for abducting and raping a local housewife um, and also an, an unidentified sex worker. Um, the local housewife, I think, from what I could see, she was just a real estate agent. So mm-hmm. um, it, was, it was just a woman living her life. Um, and, yeah, Robert just took a real shine into her. I think he had first followed her home um, and, and essentially didn't do anything about it. And I think maybe crossed his mind that he would go into the house, but left it. Then went back a second time and entered the house with a gun and raped raped and abducted her at gunpoint. Um, the unidentified sex worker, um, not much as, as far as really, really known of her attack, but it said that it was much of the same. He had abducted her and raped her. Um, so for those crimes, um, he was sentenced to five years in prison for the attack on the housewife. Um, but unfortunately, the attack on the sex worker was dropped as part of a plea bargain, um, mm-hmm. which... You know, we all know that given the sort of um, way people think about sex workers then and even now, um, you know, the police probably just shushed it off, essentially. Well, well, that's the thing. The police shared a similar view as Robert. Like, Robert just viewed them as like, oh, you're there for a service. And and it's like, I can't rape you because it's not rape if I'm paying you for a service. If I'm paying you to have sex. Yeah. Me, me doing what I'm doing is essentially sex, whether it is against your will or not, which yeah. is totally wrong because oh, it, yeah. it's, it's not at all. Um, and yeah, as you said, the police um, had had the same mentality. Um, and, you know, even five years for what he did, you know, even just solely on the local housewife. Aye. It's still pretty, you know, um, you know minimal. A, a weak, yeah, minimal. Yeah, that, that's the word. That's wild. Like they, you know, we that was what the seventies. I don't know. Well, to be fair, have things really gotten that much better? When you look at no. some of the sex crimes, even here, you know, it's it's horrendous. The actual sentence and and the way people can get away with it. It's just it's just down to what lawyer or solicitor you have. It's rotten. But here, that's a that's that's a rant we could go off on another tangent with. But uh, all in all, it's just it's all in all. Thinking. If he if he was put away for a longer sentence again, as we keep. Coming back to so much of what happened further on down the line could, could have happened. It. We don't know, but it could have been avoided. Um, yeah. But on top of it all, and like a, a previous sentence that he had, out of the five years, he only served six months in prison. Oh, because um, he was a good boy, was he? Was he a good boy in prison? Did he, he behave himself? He was such a good baker a boy. Um, and he was released on a work release program because oh, they thought it was his best way to be um, introduced back into society. Mm. who knows but while on that work release program he was caught for stealing um bit of a so, I mean, not you know it, it's not uh 
whatever work release he was doing, God knows what it was for. I don't know, carpenter or something. I think he stole like a jack saw. Essentially, I think he, what he oh, stole was like a, was saw. a saw. Yeah, yeah. It was a saw. Um. So yeah, clearly he seen the error of his ways. Um. Mm. And for that, he was sentenced again to another five years in prison. Um. And was enforced to receive treatment for his bipolar disorder. Yeah. Um, and all in all, the Alaska Supreme Court then decided, no, do you know what? We'll just reduce the sentence and release him with time served. So he was put in for five, served six, did his work release program, was then put back in for five. And Alaska Supreme Court essentially looked at the six months and went, do you know what? He's already done six months. We'll let him go. Robert, here, Bobby, go on out there, make some delicious cupcakes for the community because you've did your time. Bake some loaves. Everybody, Aye. everybody's missing their wheat and bread Aye. for their their Sunday toast, and um, I'm trying to think of like American Brun- brunch won't be the same in Anchorage without you know your what? delicious pastries. That is what it is. the The Karens of Anchorage are missing their Sunday brunch, and they just want some toast with their mimosas. Um, and yeah, your your wife just can't do it on her own. Aye. They so, have the avocados, but they don't have the toast. No, they are. Um, so essentially, yeah, first crimes, I mean, first crimes, theft, and petty crimes, thing we got, they are pretty bad. But the fact that one of your first crimes then was abducting and raping somebody it is going to cause alarm bells. Um, so going from one level to the next level to the worst level, Joe, if you want to um, get started and focus yeah. on the murders then, the, the hard part of it all. Oh yeah, the the lovely stuff. Uh, well, yeah, the thing is, like, it's believed he killed. Um, you know, the killings that he committed began as early as nineteen seventy one, and they stretched to nineteen eighty three. Uh, sort of all followed the same sort of mo, where he would pick up a sex worker, you know, uh, force her at gunpoint to go to his cabin, where he would, you know, rape them, and then he would sort of keep them. Uh, tied up for a day or two and torture them before uh, taking them to a secluded area on his plane uh, because you know as you know Alaska it's a very sparse area there's not a very low population density in certain areas so he'd take them off to, literally to the frozen ground as it was and ding 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 he, ding ding alright alright we can all leave now uh, <laughs> I would take them to these areas to basically hunt them essentially you know um, yeah before you know he you know which would result in him either shooting them or stabbing them to death uh but the thing that really got things you know the ball rolling on it was uh down to the the sort of uh position of um sex worker uh what was her name cindy paulson uh see on the 13th of june 1983 he offered her uh 200 in order to perform oral sex in him so as per his mo, she as she agreed, you know, to go in his car, or whatever, yeah. to you know, do the deed as such. He pulled a gun on her, and then he took her to his home in Muldoon, um, and then it is there he proceeded to rape and torture her. That uh, was in his was, family home as well, wasn't it? Yes, sorry, uh, yeah. I was, I, you know, I forgot to jot that down, but thanks for pointing that out. Uh, it was his family home. Uh, because his family were away, I think it was just a general trip to a relative or something like that. That yeah. it was, it was, you know, he just basically planned it. It was like, right, family's away. I'm going to do what I do. Um, so yeah, he had her chained up to the basement and whilst she was chained up, he decided to take a wee nap in the same room as her on the, in the city. Smart boy. Oh, I know. Uh, but then 
he uh you know took her and put her in his car put her in his car again uh to drive to i think i can't i can't remember my name was is it mealfield airport that's where he basically kept his uh, plane which yeah. he would fly in and out of these you know um areas and while he was loading up his plane she seen an opportunity to sneak out of the car and basically she managed to free herself but she basically had no shoes on and she was handcuffed but she managed to run down sixth avenue uh when hansen noticed he was he chased her down but she managed to flag down a truck in town uh which had driven her to mush in uh, like a little hotel motel uh at the main desk she pleaded with the clerk to contact her boyfriend he was staying at another hotel um but at the same time the truck driver once he'd arrived to work had uh called the police to report the incident so the Anchorage Police Department uh, then arrived at the hotel, the motel where her boyfriend was staying, uh, which was the Big Timber Motel. And it was there they found her still handcuffed in room 110. She was then taken into police custody where, well, I shouldn't say police custody. She was just taken into the police station where uh, questioning ensued to, you know, find, find out, you know, what happened to her. Um, and she basically described, you know, Hansen during the question in itself and this again going back to what we were talking about earlier with sex workers and basically how they were treated like lesser humans almost you know yeah even, you know even ones that are killed are known as the let were known then as the lesser dead um yeah they denied her accusation and thought uh she was just basically trying to extort uh robert yeah thinking it's like oh you're only saying that because you know this guy is an upstanding member of the community this, that, and the other, and you're just like essentially trying to black, them. blackmail them, yeah. Yes, that's it, blackmail in short. And the thing is, yeah, they said that even though he's a criminal record of arson, rape, uh, theft, abduction, abduction, you know, all these things, you know, they're all red flags, and they're like, now nah, you're making that up because you're a sex worker. Basically, that was it. Yeah. They didn't want to hear or looking at beyond that. So. Despite all of that, uh, you know, around this time, you know, the Alaskan State Troopers had formed a task force led by a Glenn Flothy. I, I can never say his name, but I like, I like, I like sort of like a flo- kind of, like a Flothy coffee. It's like Flothy, <laughs> Mister Flothy. It must but be I, like Glenn Fluth or something. I bet you it's like Glenn Fluff. Yeah, it's like, <laughs> it's like that. But anyway, he, like I said, he was heading a, sort of a, a team investigating his, you know, all these dead bodies that had been shown up uh, in and around the Anchorage area and Seward, I think is the area. Yeah. Uh, basically just all these bodies become discovered of all these young ladies. Um, the first was found in a Klukna road and because they couldn't identify the body of the woman, uh, the lady uh, became just known as a Klukna Annie. Um, and then for a further two bodies have been found belonging to Joanna Messina and a Sherry Morrow. Um, and Fluff uh, felt that they were all connected. So he was like, right, there's something going on here. And this is before he knew anything about Bob Hansen and what happened there with um, Cindy and stuff. Cindy. Yeah. yeah. So he's like, right, I'll go to the FBI. I'll go to their profilers and see, you know, can they come up with an idea of who this person might be? Get a bit of an MO from their end of things. So they went to there and a famous FBI agent, we all sort of know well from Mindhunter, John Douglas. The man himself. Johnny D. Um, yeah, he offered an offender profile. And he said, right, basically the guy who done these murders would have been an experienced hunter. 
is would probably have had low self-esteem, had a history. Tech. Yeah, yeah, I mean, tick, tick, tick. Had a history of rejection from women. Tech. Hmm. <laughs> uh, would likely keep souvenirs or possibly have a stutter as well. Tech. Hmm. <laughs> who could this be? And who has been doing similar crimes to these? Um, so obviously with this information, along with Paulson's testimony, even though the APD had sort of disregarded and that's the thing about, you know, it all comes down to police forces at the time. They're like, oh, no, we shot that case. That's it done. And you're like, no, no, no. But it may be useful for this here we're investigating. Yeah, no, they, no, were no. So per- they were so protective of exactly. it. Exactly. And it was so the embarrassment. Pr- oh, that, that's the thing. They're always so precious about sharing this information. Because I, I think it just boils down to like, oh, we want all the glory, glory for this. Yeah. We want this, that, and the other. So then obviously, Floth was like, right, fuck you. We don't care get this testimony because it more or less it shows Robert Hansen did these crimes it's all too good to be true to for not to be him so he managed to get a warrant for to look through Hansen's plane his vehicles and his house as well and on the 27th of October 1983 they discovered jewellery belonging to some of the missing women as well as an array of firearms and the kicker was an aeronautical map which had 37x markings on it so uh, that's where he was like, right, got him. That was, that was the clincher. So the thing is, despite this evidence, uh, whenever Robert was taken in the police custody and charged, he denied everything uh, that, you know, what happened. He, uh, but eventually he blamed the women for his actions. Like, it's one of those things, like the more and more evidence I was thrown in front of him, the sort of weaker he became. He's like, okay, they're all. He just didn't. He didn't have a fake to stand on. Exactly. Sorry, a leg to stand on or whatever. Yeah. No, no, no that's perfect. You're bloody perfect. Me going on rambles <laughs> here. You're like, like, get him one more joke. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> We're on a schedule. Joke. I know. I haven't even gotten the film. <laughs> but I, you blame. <laughs> eventually blamed the women for his, his actions as we sort of alluded to earlier going oh it's their fault you know they're you know they're doing like he was so. as a child he used to be blamed everybody else for his issues yeah the infantile stuff coming to the fore so then he um yeah as each uh item of evidence was brought forward he confessed uh to everything uh, that was brought in front of him and to spree attacks against women in alaska in 1971 at the time so, do you want to go into then the sort of finer details then, and then his eventual imprisonment there, Trace? Um, I think what will what I think what we should do just before moving on, um, uh-huh. is I suppose just just focus on the victims themselves of and course. and and name them essentially, um, because it's it's quite sad to think that, um, essentially. Hansen murdered 17 women, but out of the 17, he was only formally char- charged with four. Um, yeah. And as time has went on, they have found other bodies. Um, when I was researching, I think the, the most recent, I think they actually found was in the summer, was another person's body. What, literally like uh, 2020? Though? Like 2020, no, 2021. Sorry. Wow. June, July. Um, it was on like one of the Wikipedia um, pages. The, the, the bodies only recently were found and it was the same MO, same way they were found. Um, you know, one either gunshot to the head with a Ruger 14, stab wounds, and they were often had something wrapped around their head, around their neck. Um, and then, you know, essentially evident that they at one point in time were wearing a piece of jewellery that was then forcefully removed. Um, but yeah, I'll just quickly run through. Yeah. Um, 
essentially some of the names um because that's one thing that you never find um and then most things that focus on that they don't they no, don't name a, the victims it's all about yeah. the killer uh, unfortunately. yeah um so it it's also really scary to think that the age range between 17 and, and 41 um mm-hmm. so i'll start off with the first here um was Cecilia Beth Van Zatten, who's age 17. Um, she went missing on the 22nd of December, 1971, and was found on Christmas Day, 71. Um, Hansen has always denied killing her, but she is an X on his map. Um, then we have Megan Siobhan Emmerich. She was f- um, missing on the 7th of July, 1973, and she was age 17. Her body has never been found. Um, but based on the area that she went missing, um, the police were able to match another X on the map relating to her. Um, Mary Kathleen Till, who was 22, went missing 5th of July, 75. Same again, she's never been found, but her last whereabouts are similar to where an X on the map was. You touched on a Kootenai Annie, um, wasn't really ever really sure what age she was. They were thinking 16 to 25. Um, Joanna Messina, you touched upon her as well. Um, she was 24. We have Roxanne Eastland, who was 24. She went missing 28th of June, 1980. Um, Hansen has confessed to killing her, but her body's never been found. Um, Lisa Futrell, who was the oldest of his victims, she was 41, went missing 6th of September, 1980, was found 9th of May, 84. Um, Sherry Morrow, you also touched upon her, 23. Andrea Fish Altry was 22, went missing 2nd of December, 81. Sue Luna, who was 23, went missing the 26th of May, 82, was found April 24th, 84. She was stripped completely nude and forced to run through the forest while Hanson hunted her like an animal. She was shot repeatedly to death. Um, Robin Peakley, who was 19, um, it's not determined when she went missing, but she was found April 84. Um, her identity has only been discovered um, through forensic gene- genealogy. So the same genealogy that was used in the Golden State Killer um, revelation, and that was only just discovered in October 21. Um, so October of this year, she was just identified. Um, so her, her family would be able to lay her to rest, essentially. Before that, she was nicknamed as Horseshoe Harriet. No idea why. Um, we have Delyn Frey, who was 20. Um, Paula Golding, who was 21. Cindy Paulson, who was 17, um, who is the only known survivor of Robert Hansen. Mm-hmm. Um, Mayla Larson, 25. Teresa Watson, 22, Angela Ferdin, 24, and Tamira Tammy Peterson, who was 20. Um, And yeah, as I said, out of those 17 women, he was only ever charged with four murders of Sherry Morrow, Joanna Messina, Kutna Annie, and Paula Golding, and he was charged with the kidnapping and rape of Cindy Paulson. Um, So yeah, just incredible to think that, and a lot of these... um, you can go on to essentially go on to his Wikipedia page and it gives you a breakdown. But a lot of these he actually admitted to killing. Um and you know they had his I suppose his testimony admitting to killing them. 
Um, but for, for one reason or another, they, they didn't use that against him and it is sentencing. But is the the penultimate, not the penultimate, because I always get confused what penultimate is. The final, <laughs> finale. The, final the finale of us all um, is, is Hansen's essential imprisonment. Um, so his charges were as follows. Um, Hansen was charged with assault, kidnapping, multiple weapons offences, theft and insurance fraud. Um, the insurance fraud part was one of the ways that the police were initially going to arrest him on because um, some of the, the police detectives didn't think that Cindy Paulson's testimony was solid. Um, but basically, he had failed a, um, a claim with his, his insurance company to say that um, I think like numerous sort of trophies were stolen from his house or something um, and he got a payout for it and the money that he got for that led him to buy his plane um, but again it was known to the police at the time that he had used a false claim and insurance to buy the plane but yet nothing was ever done so there's another thing that he had done that they could have used against him at the time then linked everything but they didn't so it's, it's a bit like here the claim capital of Europe that's Northern Ireland for you. Absolutely. You know, he, he, he would be at home here. He's like, I just put, put a wee claim in. Got, got a wee claim out of that, you know. Just sticking <laughs> it in. Um, even like going, going to a small claims court or whatever, or crisis yeah. loan, he'd be living his best life. Oh, big time. Um, but be, yeah. He, he wouldn't even do the double. He'd be doing like the triple or quadruple. He'd be, he'd be doing the quadruple because he'd have the hunting business and then his bigger business and everything going on. Oh, wow. Um, he'd, you'd find him in the Sunday, the Sunday life, no doubt. But uh, front page every weekend, every, every single weekend. But so, what sort of led his arrest, along with um Cindy's testimony and what they found in his house, the thing that sort of um made it solid was that the ballistics tests that were ran on his gun um directly matched the bullets found at all the crime scenes and those that were found in the bodies. Um, once this sort of was announced, that's when Hansen entered in a plea bargain. Um, because he's a little child and he loves mm-hmm. doing that. Um, so he pleaded guilty to four homicides, um, that the police had exact evidence for, and he also provided further information for other victims. Um, he used he essentially took the map that they had found, um, and as part of his, I suppose, sentencing. Um, was forced to show the police the seventeen on the other seventeen grave sites, mm-hmm. um, twelve of which have been exhumed, um, and the remains have been able have been returned to their families to be able to bury them. Um, unfortunately, five of those were never found, either due to those natural causes or in Alaska the the snow's going to clearly destroy that. Um, but at the same time, I think it was Joanna Messina possibly. Or Shai Morrow, um, when her body was found, um, a burr had sort of mauled away uh, a part of it. Um, so yeah, natural causes and, and where they were. Um, essentially, the other five bodies were lost, which is terrible to think. Um, but at the same time, it, it's good that those 12 families were able to delay their family to rest. Yeah, um, get a bit of peace with it, yeah. So his ultimate sentence after... Five years here, six months there, three days here. He was sentenced away. to 461 years in prison and he would never be eligible for parole. Um, and that's when you hear the trumpet sounds and the trumpet blast and do 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 do. 
Um, but Star yeah, Starbaker. <laughs> Starbaker, essentially. Um, and yeah, I suppose the most bittersweet thing of it all is that um, Robert Hansen died on the twenty first of August in twenty fourteen due to natural causes. So he didn't suffer. He didn't have any of the horror fan diseases. He didn't have COVID, like the likes of um, the dating game killer, so he could really suffer. No, he just died of natural causes, age 75. Um, and yeah, no doubt, I wouldn't be surprised, took with him a lot more victims. Um, I wouldn't be surprised that he, no. that he killed more people. And that... he's raped more people. Um, exactly. That we'll never know. Um, like so, who, who knows? Like that was just one map they found. Like you know, there could be many other maps with yeah. many other X's on it. Um, because he know... was known for having hi- you know, hidden spots and things that he used to hide things. So, yeah. so God knows what else. You, you, know, you don't know. Because that's the thing. Even like the jewelry and that that he had from these victims, he gave it away as presents and stuff like that. And um, I think one of his wife and things. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. So that's a creep and. Uh, I got what was coming him in the end, but uh, it's a shame he just wasn't caught sooner and the police weren't more attentive and doing their jobs properly. Which is the 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 the, the recurring theme as That's we it. go through these episodes. That's it. The more um, you go into these, you're more like there's a lot in common between these cases in terms of how they end, you know. But from so, one car crash to the other, although I'm joking, it's not really a total car crash. It's all right. Well, it's. Uh, <laughs> do you do you want to kick off um the film we're going to be discussing then the twenty thirteen Frozen Ground? Of course, not to be you know confused as being a a prequel to Frozen or anything like that. Um, yeah, Frozen Ground, like I said at the start, uh, twenty thirteen film by Scott Walker. It's got Nicholas Cage in it, and he basically plays like an amalgamation of the three you know of, of you know your fellow Fluffy, Fluffy, <laughs> him and a few other cops around that time. Uh, there's John Cusack he plays Hanson and Vanessa Hudgens plays Cindy Paulson uh, amongst the others like 50 Cent who is her pimp and is baffling as to why he's in the actual film itself um, what did you actually think of the film what, I, I'm curious to know what you thought Trez because I'm the one who kind of suggested it was either the this case or some uh, or the Iceman because I was just trying to think of something wintry because it's yeah. hard to it's hard to find something uh, that ties two together. But yeah, what do you think of The Frozen Ground? Um, I think it is probably a play-by-play of the story. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it sort of kicks off um, with Cindy escaping um, Robert Hansen's clutches, essentially. Um, she is found in the motel, um, severely shaken up, um, clearly had been attacked. Still handcuffed, um, and she's taken into police custody. And as we said, um, she's questioned there heavily. Um, at one point, the, the detective that is interviewing her starts being quite accused. You know, has a real ac- accusatory tone. Um, and she asks him, you know, like, I am, am I under arrest here? Like, I'm the one coming to you, saying I've been attacked, and the way you're speaking to me, it's almost as if, you know, I've I've did a crime. Um. Mm-hmm. And he says quite a few questionable things to her that, you know, well, you, you know, well, they're, they're referred to as prostitutes in the film. It's 2013. Uh, but, but they're speaking, no, you know, it's context for when well, it's, con- yeah, it's, it's set in the 70s, for, 80s. So that's, yeah, different time yeah, in that respect. We'll forget, yeah. we'll forgive them for that. 
Well, it's it's kind of historically accurate in that sense, but at the same right. time, you know, we all know it's it's no, it's derogatory. Um, but yeah, he 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 explicitly says to her, well, you know, you're a sex worker. You yeah. offered, um, you offered to give this man oral sex. It's your fault that you got into this position, essentially. Yeah, it's um, not it's not his fault for attacking her or no. being aggress overly aggressive. And when she said no, he continued, you no, know, that's not his fault. It's it's entirely um, hers. Yeah, so yeah. Nonsense. It, there's a real focus on Cindy in the film mm-hmm. um, and I suppose I can understand on one hand why they would do that um, I suppose she is the only surviving victim of Robert Hansen um, yeah. and is the only one that would have I suppose a real true to life you know depiction of what happened um, but I think some of it kind of faltered in the sense that they tried to flesh out a storyline for Cindy um, outside of what was going on um, which I, I don't think they needed to do um, I, I don't know what you think in, in terms of you know her sort of the, the, the scenes um, where she's in you know the club and you know we'll t- you know we're talking about 50 Cent the things with her, her oh, pimp when, and she, when she's what's working going on. As, a, as a stripper is that what you when mean? When she's working as a dancer yeah. and things like that yeah uh, well, that stuff, I, you know, to be honest with you, that's purely a marketing thing. You know, it's like, oh, Vanessa Hudgens here. We haven't seen Vanessa Hudgens like this before because yeah. she, I think she was just coming off High School Musical maybe at the time this was made. I wonder if it was, actually. Uh, you have, you have a wee, da- yeah, you have a wee luck, luck seeing that. I think that was the case because I actually seen this in cinema when it came out because my motivation to go see it was like, oh, it's John Cusick and Nicolas Cage together again since the first time since Connor. And it's a true crime story, and um, you know, I think it's seen Zodiac just before, so I was like, "Oh, it's another true crime film." Oh, it's bound to be good, and all this here. Like, I suppose my general view in the film is it's all right. It's sort of just a middle in the road. I don't think it's as bad as all good things, um, and it's nowhere near as good as like the Zodiac and M that we covered previously. It's just a by the number sort of film, and yeah. the problem with it is. It's very cliched as well. Like, you know, Nicholas Cage's cop, he's two weeks off retirement and this is his last big case he's being pulled into. And he, his wife is basically the biggest cliche at all. It's like, you know, just when everything looks like it's, uh, you know, all hopes lost, like, no, no, you, you go out there and you solve this for all of these um, women that have gone missing or been murdered. Um, but, you know, when actually she's quite, um, she's quite against him sort of, helping this girl and you know sort of trying to find things out and and well i kind of half get that because she's already gone nowhere with the apd at this point well so yeah. she's so like what's the use right the apd's done nothing for me in fact they've actually accused me of this here so why should i go to a state trooper i know it's like another step above in terms of you know the hierarchy of police uh forces in america so it's like what are you going to do that they haven't already done for me you know you're are you going to make things worse because um, you know she's art. You know nobody's believed what you know she's been through. Essentially, said up to that point, yeah. Yeah, um, but yeah, in general, I think it's it's just an alright sort of film. Like you know, in Nick Nicholas Cage, you know, I do appreciate you know he. It, a lot of people say he's you know just bored and just going through the motions with it. I think it's just because they're used to being him being just so outrageous and that with his roles. It's just he's perfectly fine in the role. You know, he's just subdued compared to normal. He just, he just does. Like, I just think role. he's. I just think he's playing a cop. Yeah, that's it. It's just normal cop. He's not like. He, it, there's no moment where he like 
there's a huge outburst where he like slams his fist on the table or tries to flip a table and and over the top way and going you know we you know we need to do this for these girls or something like that there um you know he does have the odd outburst but it's perfectly natural and normal in terms of frustration it's, rather yeah. than uh rather than put uh, on yeah exactly it's not overly dramatic uh and then john cusick is handsome himself i thought he was pretty good um he did capture that sort of creepiness to him and that sort of introverted nature of uh hansen um and in a way i'm glad he didn't kind of you know play up the speech impediment because that could have been you know went so wrong and uh, yeah it could have went south really bad yeah it, it could have been mocking more than you know being accurate although it isn't technically maybe accurate in terms of the way that robert maybe spoke but uh at the same time it doesn't sort of create this idea of like oh it's a bad thing to have a speech impediment because you're just like him you know what i mean that kind of idea yeah like they're not um, they're not they're not i suppose glamorizing or focusing on that aspect yeah. um because yeah. you know it was just it was one of those so superficial um things that people mentioned about him you know as being an you know being a nerd or having acne scars or anything like that like none of that is going to contribute to someone being no. a mental sociopath exactly. um, so that there wouldn't have been any you know i think if you look at a picture of robert hansen and look at the the sort of black and white mugshot of John Cusack in the film, like they are, they do look quite similar. To be mm-hmm. honest, the real horn horn ring glasses and the darker and, um, as you said, like he, he plays quite a, he plays the subduedness of it all quite well. Yeah. Um, and the just you know the juxtaposition between him being a family man to then when he is torturing and 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 you know, suppose murdering these girls is good because again it's not completely over the top um no. you can say that it is someone even you know the likes of you and me that could be led to a real extreme extreme sort of sense of frustration how you would behave um so you know you can kind of see it that way um but yeah no i i, I did like it um for what it was at the end of the day so it's a true crime movie you either do them really really well as you said like zodiac um um, can't even think of any others. Oh, me- memories yeah. of murder. Memories of murder. You know stuff like that. Like some of the films we have covered. Yeah. Have done it very very well. This. It's it's did it it's did it as an like oh it's okay. It's it, a standard it standard okay. stuff. Yeah. Yeah. It's not um, bad. It like it's by no stretch of imagination is bad because like when you compare it to the last film, well one of the last ones we covered all good things. That film was just a bore, and it was an absolute, you know, slog. Slog to get through. I know. Yeah. Uh, but this wasn't as bad. It, it was almost like the Wikipedia page playing out in front of you. A hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, with the embellishment of the side story with you know Fifty Cent as her pimp, which honestly, like the film itself, is an hour and forty five minutes, and to be honest, the story they told is enough for about an hour thirty, an hour twenty. So all that just pads that out needlessly, and you're like, you know, what what is the point of this? It's basically like a, the sort of a Cindy's life outside of this here, you know, the actual crime itself. You know, she's excuse me, she's got this pimp who's um, 
you know, constantly pestering her and so on and so forth. And then, you know, she's her friend who's like, okay, well, I'll take you out of that aspect of sex working. And then, you know, you can become a stripper uh, at this club and all this here. And it's just like, that's sort of deviant and a wee bit away from the actual central yeah. story. You know, I would have maybe wanted maybe a bit more Cindy's part, you know, actual personal life and your know, relationship with her family or anything out there because it, to be fair, I think in real life, the actual Cindy Paulson, she, you know, as soon as this case was wrapped up, that was it. She more or less you know, disappeared. Dis- disappeared. And, you know, rightly so. Rightly so, yeah. You don't, you don't want that um, hanging over you the rest of your life. Um, but yeah, uh, the film itself, it's a lot of embellishment and padding out needlessly. There, it, it's a film where there's more film than story itself. Uh, but ultimately, it's an alright. It's a fairly decent watch. It's you know, and and the scale of films that we've covered so far, it's 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 not bang in the middle. You know, it's not really bad. It's not really yeah. good. It's just right in the middle for me. What I would say is though, and I think um, maybe why it sort of fell flat for me, I suppose, was that um, I knew about the story before the film, and mm-hmm. if if you know, me and Joe maybe aren't like hyping the film up, but. By what we said, you know, if it's something that, that interests you, it's an easy enough watch because it isn't that long. And if you're interested in crime or true crime movies, um, give it a shot. But what I would say is just don't read anything about the story before um, because it is so by the book. Um, and aside from the sort of the fleshing out of, of the, the pimp and that carry on with Cindy, it, it tells you everything you need to know. Um, and then if you want to find out more about Robert or about Cindy as well, you know, Google it after essentially. Um, because I think that's what, what sort of oh. made it feel a bit flat for me was that I knew so much about the story before I watched it. Oh, the end of the film though just really annoyed me though. Because what they do is, like like they do in all these sort of true crime films, right? And rightly so, you know, they do show uh, you know the victims. But it's the song they have playing over. It's like something by Nickelback or something. You're just like, oh god, you know, just put something orchestral or something in there. That's a bit more respectful. Like the song that they played, it was just like the most cringy, cheesy it was, thing. It so was like place. the type so of song. It was like the type of song that plays at like, um, like end of second year, like you know, your end of oh, second graduation. year maths or something. Yeah. So like you have like your your PowerPoint of everybody, and then you know. What's that song? Is it Green Green Day has a song that's like oh, Time Your Life. Time Your Life, like oh, one of them God. songs. And it's yeah. like, you no, know, you're literally and what at <laughs> at the very end it is quite nice because they do um they show pictures of all of the victims mm-hmm. and their names and what happened and um their ages and things. And then yeah, as you said, to put that like that music over it. That it's music just so I can't place. even think it that like that pop rocky Yes, I mean, Nickelback, like pure Nickelback, Creed, something like that there. Uh, Oh, it's no, it's just so out of place and it just is really jarring. And uh, like I said, a bit of orchestral music, like they had throughout the films, like just put a bit of that music over that there. So the impact of that there can a bit more, you know? Or the impact of it all, essentially. Maybe they didn't need music at all. If they just had silence and they just put pictures. Yeah. Yeah. The focus, the focus then is solely on the victims, not like me and you. Yeah. Or disrespect them or anything, but the fact that me and you are talking about the end of the movie and talking about how shift the music we put in. No, no, it's, it's taking that a, away and just had 
the photos and that, then that probably would have had given more of a solemn justice yeah. than than anything else, really. Yeah, this is purely a dig at the director's choice. It's nothing to do with the victims at all. Oh <laughs> like, no, don't get me wrong. No, um, you know that's usually Teresa's game. You know to make fun of. Hundred <laughs> percent. That is normally my forte. <laughs> exactly, but no. Um, yeah, the film stuff is pretty good. Nothing great. Um, it's, not, it's hard to really say much more about. It. I think you know the more I think about the whole embellishment of Cindy's story, I think that whole thing was to just create a sense of tension as you get towards the end because right at the time of uh you know they bring in robert to question him about the crimes and that there it's sort of juxtaposed uh, juxtaposed you know it's alongside cindy's story where she goes back to her pimp but there's this other guy that robert had hired to get cindy because he sort of no, wants to tie up the loose end even though no that's the bit that's completely made up as far as i know because because uh, once robert let someone go he was like now they're a sex worker and who's going to believe them and you know he was right to an extent um he didn't then he didn't hunt he didn't them out again he no. didn't care no i was it was like great you're gone right so oh it's a bit of a loss but sure at the end of the day who's going to believe you anyway is it's me against you uh and that, yeah that you know that probably comes down to the fact that if you look up the, the the attack on um the real estate agent the housewife that hmm. yes he was arrested for but i mean if he ever really wanted to do anything to her he would went back Exactly. But he didn't. Yeah, yeah. Like in the film, yeah, it just creates this false tension with this valley. It's a real weird to... fabrication, yeah. Yeah, and then it's like, oh, it's a race against time. We have to get to Cindy before, you know, this guy does. And uh... This guy who, who we don't know who his name is. No, no, he's, I think he's basically like a, a guy who works at the strip club or something like that. Yeah, I think he's, he's a bouncer or something. A bouncer, like yeah. Yeah, and then he, yeah, he hunts them down. And he shoots fifty seven in the head. Sorry for the spoilers, but at the same time, it doesn't matter. It's a it's part a, of it's it literally doesn't a, matter, and it didn't left happen. the whole part and just cut it out of the film. Like who yeah. gives a fuck? Um, but anyway, you could do that, and yeah, things like that you're just like kind of going, oh come on now, like come on. Um, but yeah, it's a film. It's got a lot of cliches for a true crime film with the sort of dialogue and the situations. You know, a cop nearing towards the retirement and stuff like that there the 2d character of his wife who's just like there to go oh you know you have a family at home blah 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 you know that usual nonsense that they have in these films um, the commissioner who doesn't believe his story yeah, all of that stuff that is the negative aspects the positives it's solidly acted uh i think it's handled quite well it starts you know in a fairly you know fairly accurate it's yeah i it's would say apart depiction. from those other those and they really are a, min- a minority part of the film mm-hmm. of the thing with with 50 cent and the other guy like that is quite quite a small thing which i, I think and it sticks out they, it sticks out because they try and make a big they try to make something big out of it but it's just it's so small it, it you can disregard it exactly. everything else um in terms of you know the they, 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 so from what I could say, they use the real photos of the victims and the, the records. Um, mm-hmm. they use their real names the whole way through. Um, everything apart from that small snippet is, is true, true to form. Um, and it is a depiction and, um, it doesn't glamorize the story because at the end of the day, it isn't a glamorous story. It's a, a really horrific story. Um, that, 
probably should be more well known but I think of because where it is in America um like America literally is the murder capital of the world like it's just everywhere um you know at the time who who knows who could who could have been running about Ted Bundy you know all the big car headers could have been running about at that time um and yeah whenever you sort of listen to your more known true crime podcasts or your books there's really not very much on it although I think there is one book I think the guys in the last podcast on the left t- touched upon um but it, it isn't very forgiving toward the sex workers and um, it's quite derogatory I think from memory the the guys are basically like we read this because you didn't have to type of thing like don't read it it's not a great book I like it gave um, the facts but then the extra context is just, just not great yeah 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 um but I think that's pretty much it then yep. when it comes to Bobby Hansen and uh, Frozen Ground Frozen Ground I like the thing is Frozen Ground there's not a lot to say really about it in the grand scheme of things uh, hopefully the next sort of film we pick you know there'll be more to flesh out with the film but yeah. um, there's not much to say about it really it, I, I think uh, it was on Netflix for a period I think it's on Prime at the minute but you need to be a premium Prime member so I think you can rent it for like £2 Ah, um, okay. but it's also the type of film I would imagine if it hasn't already been it'll be on film 4 at one time ah, that's it it'll be a film 4 11 o'clock film just keep yeah. an eye out for it if you're sort of interested in the story it's it's a good sort of companion piece to have alongside it but just be sort of wary of the story itself and uh, the actual facts rather than the embellishments yeah. Um so yeah that's pretty much everything uh, nothing else to say other than uh you know, thanks very much for listening. And if you like what you hear, you know, you can listen to our main podcast, the We Need to Talk About Movies podcast, as well as the other sub-podcasts. Uh, uh, I think it's uh, Gabrielle, she does one about cosplay. I think it's sort of going through a name change at the minute. I can't remember what the name of it is exactly. Um, uh, Victoria's still curating her Disney series. We Need to Talk About Disney. And I don't believe there's any other sub-ones apart from the main one, We Need to Talk About Movies and ourselves. No. You're right. Um, I mean, um, I think you guys next week are recording the Christmas episode, so yeah, um, that's going to be coming out. Um, I'm not sure if this week is the last week of the TV show for the year. Um, but we're all on if, YouTube now, by the way. Sorry, we have a YouTube channel, so you can uh, catch all that there. Current um, and past episodes. Um, yes. any events that we we'll have coming up? Um, I suppose like everybody knows, uh, the good old Omicron's flying about. Um, so. Events-wise, uh, don't know too much what's coming up, but if there is anything coming up, it'll be on our website, um, badderflex.com. All the socials as well, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. So keep an eye out on that if you are interested in us and any events that we have coming up. But uh, other than that, there's nothing else really to say, but uh, Merry Christmas, and I hope you all have a nice and safe time with uh, your loved ones. And... Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So uh, thank you very much for listening again. Thanks, Jet. I was going to call you Jim. I always say this. Every I thought you were going to say shit. No, <laughs> don't call you Jim, you are shit. Merry Christmas, you shit. Um, no, just to echo what Joe said, Merry Christmas. Um, stay safe, given everything going on. Um, and all being well, Joe and I should be back um, in January for our 11th episode. Um, as long as we don't get lazy again but other than that thanks for listening and goodbye bye